0: Oh, hello there. Quick question for you. Does taking a great brand or product photo feel like a code you simply can't crack? Do you want to give up trying to create visual assets for your business before you've even started? Well, you're about to discover the secrets to taking powerful brand and product photos while strategically sharing them in a way that will serve your bottom line without adding hours of learning to your already packed up calendar. If you're a business owner, maker, influencer, or affiliate marketer, you already know that showing up online with beautiful imagery is super important. That's why I created this free online training, especially for you to level up your brand and create the kind of imagery that catches the eye of your customer. The kind of imagery you can be proud of. During this retraining, you will learn my four step framework for taking brand and product photos that will help you improve your sales and attract more customers without being salesy. You will also learn the top four mistakes most people make with brand and product photos and why these mistakes are costing them major profits. So, are you ready to up level your visual brand assets? I thought so. For a limited time only, grab your seat for my free training at kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. That's kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. I am so excited to be your teacher and I'll see you in class. My friend Ingrid Monroe got her start as an entrepreneur simply by surrounding herself with other creative entrepreneurs and side hustling like crazy when she wasn't playing the role of busy mom to her three young children. Fast forward just two years and now Ingrid is running a successful almost seven figure online box business from her newly renovated basement studio. Ingrid is the creator and founder of the NB Box, a custom boutique gifting company in New Brunswick, Canada, and today we are going to talk all about how she laid the foundation, garnered a following, and launched a pandemic-proof online business that took her from stay-at-home mom to million-dollar entrepreneur in just two years flat. In this episode, we talk about everything from how to pandemic-proof your venture, to rocket-launching a home-based business, to managing home life with work life, and also the more vulnerable things like the messy middle, to growing an audience, and how to turn mishaps into golden opportunities. And the numbers, we aren't shying away from those either. Ingrid has been a friend of mine for a while now, and I just know that her words will inspire and motivate you, leaving you feeling like in the world of entrepreneurship, anything is possible if you just find the courage to start. So grab your coffee cup or wine glass and curl up with us as we chat about how she went from zero to seven figures super quick and hear her tips for how you can do it too. Are you ready for this one? You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no
1: topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast-track your success one workshop
0: at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Ingrid. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Kelly. I'm so excited to be here. I have been looking forward to this podcast for a long time because I feel like I have been watching you since you started your business just, what, two years ago? Yeah, exactly. Two years ago. And how incredible is it that a two-year-old business, you're almost at seven figures and it's essentially pandemic proof (laughs) and you're doing it from home. So you're even following the rules of staying home while running your business. I just think that is incredible. But not everyone knows about your business. So why don't we take the first few minutes to let you just talk about your entrepreneurial journey and how you went from not having a business, to having an almost seven-figure business that you run online from home.
1: Yeah, I own the NB Box. It is a gift box company that features local products to New Brunswick, and we are 100% online. And when I started, it was sort of an experiment because I have always had an interest in supporting local makers and artisans. I had thrown my sister a baby shower two years ago, and I had made all of these gift bags for the guests from locally made products, but they had been really hard to source and track down. I had met women in the McDonald's parking lot to pick up bath bombs. I had gone to women's homes to buy their handcrafted soaps. And I thought, you know, there had to be an easier way to buy locally made products because the gifts themselves were such a huge hit at the shower. And I thought if there was a way for me to consolidate and make the shopping experience easy, then maybe there was a business in there, like somewhere in that gift niche. So I started with uh, really, you know, only seven products and I bought enough for a hundred boxes. And I thought, if I can sell these, that's great. There's something here. If not, I tried. At least I gave it a go. And gosh, it just, well, here we are two years later. I've sold way more than a hundred boxes and we have over a hundred products, so things have really grown for us.
0: Yes, completely. And like I said, I've been watching you from the beginning, so I feel like I followed you along this journey. And then the pandemic hit, and I think for a lot of us, we were like, oh no, time to batten the hatches and figure this out. But you essentially didn't have to do any pivoting. In light of the pandemic, it actually did better. So I think that that's a really amazing accomplishment for sure. And I know that listeners are listening to this and thinking like, okay, okay, how did she do it? What's the secret?" So I'm hoping that today you can share sort of your best tips for creating a resilient business that you can run from home online and hit almost seven figures within two years.
1: Yeah, well, the pandemic, you know, it caught us by surprise too. And we didn't think of ourselves as being pandemic proof by any stretch of the imagination. And like a lot of small businesses, right at the start of it, we suffered some major setbacks and we kind of went into not panic mode, but like, okay, what do we do? How can we, you know, keep this thing going? (laughs) We grew really quickly after Christmas and we needed a larger space. So we renovated a whole chunk of our home just for the business. So we have a floor dedicated just to NB box and working from home, we didn't have to make that transition when the pandemic started. We just were already at work all the time. But we did lose all of our corporate and event contracts pretty much overnight when the pandemic shut everything down. So I thought, okay, business is going to be really quiet for a really long time. And in order to just keep the wheels moving, we eliminated our shipping costs to customers. If you run an e-commerce business, you know the number one barrier to a customer making a purchase online is the cost of shipping, especially in Canada. So... I thought, you know, if I can reduce this one barrier, it might be enough to boost business just to keep things moving out the door. (laughs) And it was just really mayhem from there. I think people, after the initial shock of, you know, being at home for a while, wore off. People turned to online shopping. And without the shipping cost, we just became really Busy. We were so busy. It was actually almost too busy for us because, of course, with distancing measures and everything being closed, we couldn't actually have staff in to help us. But at the same time, my husband was home from work. So I did have more help than I would normally, but less help than I would have liked.
0: Yes. And I know from watching your Instagram stories behind the scenes, just day after day, it was stacks and stacks of boxes. And I was just giddy because I knew that your business was thriving and that there were so many things that you were doing right, right from the start. And I think it's worth reinforcing that your business was designed to be from home. So already your overhead was low. So I think for a lot of entrepreneurs heading into the pandemic, that was the biggest concern. Oh my goodness, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my staff? How am I going to pay for all this square footage of retail space? And for you, that was less of a concern, which I think set you up for this kind of successful boom that you're experiencing right now.
1: Yeah, big time. Plus people's Focus suddenly overnight shifted to making sure their local businesses, you know, stayed in business. And our whole mission from the get-go has been about supporting local businesses. So every product we carry is made by a small business in New Brunswick. And it just made everything we carried so much more attractive and valuable to a consumer that they didn't have to give anything up, they weren't making any concessions when they were shopping with us. It was kind of like the easiest, best case scenario for them, a convenient place to shop online. We were already online, so we didn't have to pivot that way. And we already had inventory. So from a perspective of a customer who really wants to make sure they're supporting their local makers and artisans, we were sort of like, you know, the easiest, the easiest low hanging fruit type of thing.
0: Well, and I can say from the experience as one of your customers that you definitely had the end user in mind when you created your online infrastructure because it's such a seamless experience to hit your website, choose what I want to put in the box, or choose a pre made box. And within a couple of days, the gift recipient has it. So I know from my point of view, You definitely put a lot of thought into customer service and customer experience. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Customer service is for sure my top priority at all times. The website is designed to be user-friendly and simple, like not overly complicated. Uh, I think that's a major drawback if you're shopping online is you're confused how to put things in your cart or if the navigation is confusing to users also. Because sometimes you can be like, looking at a product, you want to read more about it, you don't actually want it, and then it takes you all the way back to the beginning. We didn't want that. We wanted to make sure that it was easy. It was easy to navigate. You didn't have to click on a product image to put it in your cart. You could do it right from the main screen. We just wanted to make sure that anybody who was shopping online with any sort of level of tech experience could do so easily and quickly. And we also wanted to make sure That you could do it from your phone because so many people shop on mobile. So from terms of user experience, simplicity is key in e-commerce. You know, you don't want to get in your own way when you're trying to make a sale, essentially. But beyond that, customer service is the most important thing that you can do when running any kind of business. I mean, ultimately what we do comes down to sales. If you really boil it down, it's just sales. And the Key with selling anybody anything is building a relationship with your customer. You want to be a trustworthy source. You want to, you know, make sure you create a connection with them. You want to take them seriously, respond to their messages. When issues are, come up, you want to deal with them head on. You basically want to treat people the way you
0: want to be treated. The golden rule. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So I know that you've been sending out a high volume of boxes. And you mentioned that when you have issues, you want to hit them head on. Can you talk a little bit more maybe about any issues that you've had along the way and how you've dealt with them?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, we're sort of at the mercy of Canada Post year round. Everything that we do goes out into the mail. And they're wonderful. I love Canada Post. (laughs) But they are also human too. So not many parcels have actually been lost forever, but lots have taken journeys, shall we say, <laughs> to get to their <laughs> final destination. And with a gift business, almost every gift is on a deadline. People are trying to make sure things get where they're going by the birthday, by Christmas, by Mother's Day, whatever. There's always, you know, an end date in mind when people are expecting it'll arrive. And when it doesn't, that can really be a problem for the purchaser and also for me. So this past Christmas, I didn't actually have as many problems as I was anticipating, given Christmas is crazy for Canada Post. But I did have one customer in particular I can think of who purchased a box for his daughter-in-law and it took the craziest journey. You know, New Brunswick is a small province and we have a processing plant in Dieppe. So all boxes, you know, that aren't being delivered within St. John because that's where we're located. They go to Dieppe, they get processed, and then they should go to their final destination from there. Well, this box ended up, like, in Ontario. It was in Montreal at one point. Like, it clearly had taken a wrong turn. Um, And what should have taken three days shipping ended up taking, like, 18. And in the meantime, this man... Message me very upset. You know, he wants to impress his daughter-in-law. The box isn't going to arrive on time. And what am I going to do about it? And I sympathize so much with people. You know, they spend their money with you. And I want to make sure I'm providing a good experience. And further than that, I really think every bad experience that a customer has is an opportunity to create a really, really great customer connection and turn that person's experience from bad to great. So I sent him the box again. And I said, when the first one shows up, just keep it. And he was so touched. The first box did eventually make it after Christmas, but the second box got there well in time. And he was so touched. It turned out he worked for a large company up in Woodstock, and they've since become big corporate clients of mine. They send gifts to clients, to employees, to retirees. I absorb the cost of that second box and the shipping, but I made a huge fan out of that one man, and it in turn, you know, created a whole stream of revenue for me because I gained this big corporate client. And I just feel that when things go wrong, that's where you really have an opportunity to make somebody love you. Not just like your service, not just, you know, when someone buys something online and it shows up as expected, that's what they thought they were doing from the first time they purchased. When something goes wrong and you step up and make it right, that's when you create a raving fan. You can't buy that kind of advertising. You can't buy that kind of loyalty. People respond to that. It's a relationship. And you have a great opportunity with every issue to take that relationship to the next level, so to speak.
0: I love that. Like, I'm going to get a repetitive strain injury from nodding my head at everything you just said, because I think that it's such an important lesson. I don't think that many people look at missteps as opportunities, you know? So I think that it's just such an important message that you're sharing. So for listeners who run into issues with clients, like, don't forget that this is an opportunity to turn someone into a raving fan. I love that story.
1: I think some people get worried because you see the money attached to it. Like the cost of replacing a product or a service, I mean, that's a cost that a business owner can actually put a dollar value on. But what you don't realize at the time is the cost of losing a paying customer or a potential repeat customer is actually much higher. So, you know, if I have to send a replacement candle, I know what that's gonna cost me, but it is so much less than the cost of losing someone's business or someone's word-of-mouth advertising or someone's trust in me.
0: Absolutely. And I remember hearing that 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. So when you think about it like that, it's even more reason to just love on your customers. They are your bread and butter, truly. And chances are, if you create a raving fan, they're going to send you so many more raving fans. And really, what it comes down to is like the cost of advertising. Like you said, Absolutely.
1: I can't tell you the number of emails I get that are like, my grandmother posted this box on her Facebook and now I've bought three and I sent one to my cousin and she bought two more. Like the word of mouth advertising that you get from the, you know, the grassroots level, the individual
0: customers themselves, that is worth its weight in gold. Okay, so I want to change gears a little bit and talk about the money stuff because I know as entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs, we tend to shy away from the numbers and I think they're so important and inspiring in your case. So can you talk a little bit about the growth in terms of revenue over the last two years?
1: Definitely. I love talking about money. I know that It turns some people off, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) Our first year, you know, so we launched in July of 2018. So our first year is really only a six month, whatever. But I like to measure from year to year because I can see month over month, like how we've grown. And our first year we did $30,000 in sales and I felt on top of the world. I felt like that was, you know, I had made it. I have really achieved something Then in 2019, from January to December, we did about $150,000 in sales. And that also, reaching that $100,000 revenue marker was such a big moment for me. We hit it in November because about 60% of our annual revenue is the Christmas season. So it's like mid-October to the end of December, roughly. Mm -hmm. So we hit that number in November and it was like such a big personal moment I felt so accomplished like I really made something I really did it I really did it I never at any point didn't feel like great about our sales I've never felt like we weren't growing I've never felt like we were growing too slowly or too small like there's never been a, a benchmark where I didn't feel like amazing about myself and my accomplishments But then in April, like April, we just did a hundred thousand dollars in sales. In one month. In one month with pretty much just me. It's mind boggling to actually think about how much work it took and that we even were able to pull it off, that we even had the inventory to pull it off (laughs) like that. That's mind boggling. And. January, Ingrid, like <laughs> January 2020, Ingrid would not have thought that was possible. But now, May 2020, Ingrid sees even greater potential for us. That month alone put us on track for selling million dollars this year, which I never in my wildest dreams. I literally never even stopped to think about the day we might sell for a million. That never, ever crossed my mind. Now it's like right in front of me. It's like a race to when will it be? Because it will be
0: 2020. I, you know, come hell or high water, I'm getting there. I just like am grinning ear to ear because it makes me so excited to think that it was only two years ago that you were envisioning this business. And now you're telling me that you had a six figure month and that you're headed to a million dollars of revenue running an online business from your home. Like this is just makes me so excited. Congratulations. And I mean, like way to inspire the rest of the province and the rest of the country, even the rest of the world. Let's go (laughs) worldwide with your story. Thank you. You know, I just think that's
1: says a lot about the power of locally made goods and spending your money in your community, because that is a million dollars in sale or will be a million dollars in sales that benefited a lot of families that work here
0: and supports them in their continued businesses. Absolutely. And let me just say that Ingrid's gifts that she puts together are beautiful. And I am proud to give them to people. I have family outside of the province. Like I am so proud when I know that one of your boxes is getting shipped to them and they receive it and they're so happy. Like my mother got one for Mother's Day and she was taking pictures of it and sending it to me. She's not much of a social media person, so it didn't really hit social media for her, but it was just something that like came with so much pride on my behalf. So thank you for giving me and other New Brunswickers the ability to gift something Thing that comes with so much pride.
1: That's my favorite thing to hear. I absolutely love that. When somebody, you know, genuinely loves the gift they got.
0: Okay, listen, I get it. Deep down, you know you deserve more, but you don't quite know how to get there. You see a lot of programs and e-courses that could be of benefit to you, but you don't know which one will take you to where you want to be. It might be a mix of a few of them, you think, but we both know that can cost a pretty penny. Well, Workshop Warrior, all of this ends now. My friends at The Bundle Co. have put together a magical bundle of business-related e-courses and membership programs covering every business-related topic you can imagine at an unbelievable price so that you can improve your business, life, and finances in every way without having to remortgage your house. Inside the bundle, you'll find over 70 courses and programs from amazing instructors from all over the world who will be teaching you everything you need to skyrocket your success. Course topics range from business financing to marketing, social media, photography, copywriting, scaling, mindset, content creation, productivity hacks, and so much more. Oh, and by the way, my signature beginner photography course, it's in there too. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can get all of this for just $100. That's right, just $100. That's a 99% savings. Insane, right? But you've got to act fast. The bundle is only available starting June 1st for just 10 days. To get your business bundle for just $100, head to kellylawson.ca slash businessbundle.com. That's kellylawson.ca slash business bundle, and I'll see you on the inside. Okay, so we talked a little bit about how keeping your overhead really low helped you survive and thrive in the face of the pandemic, but There's another thing that you're doing really well and really right. And it's that you've kept your overhead low and you're able to pass on the savings to your customers. And you told me, because we're friends, I know this story, but I would like you to talk about it today. You told me about how you almost applied for a loan or you did apply for a loan. Can you tell me a bit about that story?
1: Yeah, when we started the business, I keep saying we, it's my husband and I, the business is mine, but he's been involved since the beginning. So when we were talking about me starting this business, I sort of had crunched the numbers and I thought I need about $5,000 to buy all the products that I wanted to get those first hundred boxes in my possession. From a business perspective, $5,000 is so low, but from a personal perspective, like $5,000 was so much. And, you know, we have three small kids. I was pregnant at the time with our Third son, and it felt risky. We didn't feel like we had $5,000 to spare to throw at it. So I thought, you know, that's okay. I really believe in this idea. I'm going to apply for funding. So I applied with Futurepreneur Canada. Futurepreneur is a great resource for small business and startups, anybody who's looking for funding and coaching when they're getting their business off the ground. In applying for funding through Futurepreneur, I had to go through about a month-long process where I created a business plan, created a cost of projected sales. They had a whole bunch of steps that I never would have done if I was just throwing my own money at it and getting started. And the best part about Futurepreneur is that, you know, you have to wait that time. You have to wait about the month. You do the business plan. Then you wait a week to hear back from your coach. Then you do your projected sales. Then you wait a week. You talk to your coach. You tweak things. You improve them. At the end of that exercise that month, my business plan had really been finessed. And it was such an important lesson for me because it took this great idea I had well, I thought it was a great idea. But Obviously it took it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it it took it like out of my brain and really actually put it in a way that made it seem like a credible, real business idea on paper. And my husband was like, you know, when you were talking about this last month, I just all you kept saying was like, it'll be so pretty. Everything will be so pretty. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't really get it. Writing the business plan, reading the business plan, I really think this has some legs. I think I think we can do it. I'd like us to invest in it ourselves. And so we ended up not getting a loan with Futurepreneur Canada. We ended up funding it ourselves. But if I hadn't gone through that process, I never would have had such a clear idea of what the business was. I never would have been able to communicate it properly to my husband or anyone else. And it actually did make me think about, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? Anybody who's written a business plan will tell you that is such a valuable experience. Don't skip that step. If you're really serious about making something out of your business, You need a plan. You need to sit down and write a real business plan.
0: And I love that the result of writing the business plan was you realizing that you didn't actually need to borrow the money because I think what a lot of early stage entrepreneurs find themselves doing is going straight for the funding because they think, okay, as soon as I have money in my bank account, I'll be able to make this work without really thinking about the fact that you're going to pay that back with interest It's not really your money. And if you don't have a viable plan to pay it back, well, that might get you into a predicament that's difficult to get out of. So I love that you bootstrap your business. I think that that makes your story just so much better. And I think it's inspiring for so many listeners.
1: Oh, the sky's the limit with bootstrapping. I think people think that you're limited when you're funding it yourself, mostly because most people can't afford, you know, you can't get your $100,000 loan from yourself. Maybe some of you can, but not everyone. (laughs) But we've never taken on debt since. We have grown the business so tremendously large just by reinvesting what we've earned since we got started. And we only started with Mm $5,000. Like that isn't a huge risk really. Like our family was never, $5,000 was a lot to our family, but it wasn't losing it all. Wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have lost the house or anything. So yeah, there's an element of risk when you're bootstrapping. But if you are able to, pay yourself back, like you said, at 0%, it's actually way less risky than owing somebody else a 20% loan. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's so commendable because I think at the time, you know, it feels difficult. And well, so does entrepreneurship many days. But you got ahead of the game by bootstrapping like you started out in front because of that you didn't have any debt looming over your head and you'd made a really smart move by reinvesting the profits in your business like I just want to pat you on the back whenever this COVID thing ends (laughs) that's what I'll do. (laughs) So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about branding because I know that you've got that right as well and I'd love to hear your thoughts on creating a solid brand for your business. Yeah. You know, our brand, that
1: is not something that comes naturally to me. And I think that I could confidently say that our brand story is a happy accident. I did what appealed to me personally when I got started and only about a year into the business. So, you know, I had been doing this for a while. Did I actually sit down and do the ideal client exercise where I, I really thought I was trying to sell gifts to everybody. And then I got some great advice that if you are trying to sell to everyone, you are watering down your message to your actual target customer. And so you might be appealing to a few people, but you're not as appealing as you should be or could be to the people who are actually going to buy your products. So we did this ideal client exercise, I really narrowed down on who is my target customer. And yes, I do sell gifts to a wide variety of people. That is true. But now all my messaging and all my branding is directed to one person in particular. It's a fictional person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when I'm like writing a caption for Instagram, I'm talking to her. Because Mm -hmm. that's just changed the game for us in terms of what our Instagram feed looks like, the content that's on it, Facebook as well. A lot of our clients are on Facebook. In fact, if I'm being honest with myself, my ideal client is on Facebook and not on Instagram. But Instagram's my preferred method of social media. so (laughs) You know, and they're tied, so I don't have to give one up. But anyway, our branding, it wasn't a hard transition. When I started, it was more of a monochromatic, fonts were important to me. We found within that first year that the logo that we had originally had was too small to read (laughs) for our ideal client. So we tweaked the logo. We changed our packaging. We were doing, like I said, black and white. Now we're doing color. People love that neutral look, the craft brown. That's, there's a lot of brown in our Instagram feed because, you know, boxes, of course, are cardboard. But yeah, the branding started off, I will say not strong because I just was doing what I liked personally. Once I was able to narrow down on what my ideal client prefers, that really changed the game for us. Really, really. And it also made marketing so much easier because I wasn't throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what stuck. I had a plan.
0: I love it. And it really shows on the outside that you know exactly who your ideal customer is. And I love that you're not afraid. Because in a lot of cases, when we talk about identifying one single solitary ideal customer, in the small business world, especially, people get afraid because they don't want to isolate anyone. And they think that that means leaving money on the table. But you nailed it when you said, if you're speaking to everyone, you're actually not really speaking to anyone. And I find with your brand, that really shows. I mean, I think I am in your at least range of ideal customer. I've definitely bought quite a few boxes from you. And when I'm watching your Instagram stories, I feel like you're speaking directly to me. And I can totally see how that turns into corporate contracts for you because I think you're also speaking to the admin people and the decision makers inside of bigger businesses as well. So good for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My ideal customer is probably exactly why I get corporate and event contracts for sure. (laughs) Like for sure. And you know what? When you have a corporate client, like I know who's bringing me the business. They're not usually the decision maker in the office, but they are the influence maker kind of. It's your front desk workers, your executive assistants. It's the people that are, you know, running the office and making sure the clients and employees are taken care of. They're Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And so if they're bringing me clients, I like to send them a little thank you gift after I have a contract, like, fulfilled. Because I think that's why I'm in business is because of them. It's not necessarily who
0: signs the check. Absolutely. And... I just love everything about that. I mean, I could talk all day about ideal customers and why defining that is a good idea. So for anybody who's listening, thinking, I don't know what this is all about, go back to episode 004. It's an entire episode about how to refine and define your ideal customer. And trust me, it is not a bad idea if you haven't already done it. Okay, I want to talk a little bit now about your differentiation from other businesses? Because here's something that I know about you as well. You love on your customers, but equally you love on your vendors. Can you talk a little bit about the products that you carry?
1: Yeah, I have this problem where I get so excited about absolutely everything. So (laughs) I love the products we carry. People always ask, what's your favorite? I literally can't choose. I love all of them because each of them is a relationship I have with the business and each product has this great story like single moms or people who left their day jobs or whatever it is. It's just, it all comes back to great relationships with people and great stories. And on top of that, people are making amazing products that actually work or taste amazing or, you know, are just all around great. So thing I think that makes us different is two things. I think one We focus exclusively on local and small business, and people love that. People Mm -hmm. love seeing products from their neighborhood. They love, you know, it's like seeing your friend in the paper. They love it when a product that they already knew about is featured in the box. They love when they see their hometown represented in some way. It feels good. It feels like... Yeah, exactly like seeing your friend in the paper, some sort of nostalgic sense of pride. It's a community pride. Absolutely. The other thing that makes us special is that I love to promote the businesses themselves independently of the box. Each product I sell, those businesses also sell to retailers too, or to customers, like end user customers. I'm a retailer. (laughs) So you know, the box is sort of unique in that it's generally a gift and it's usually you have to pick three or more items. So it's not always like the most convenient way of shopping if you find a product that you love that you want to keep buying. So I always provide really good. This is where you can find these people. You can buy directly from them. Here they are. Here's a little bit about them. I do feature businesses in my stories and tell a little bit of background on them. I just did one on, um, One of our potters in St. Andrews, normally (laughs) pre-COVID, she has what she calls porch pottery, where she sets up her porch like a store. She has all her pottery out there and she just leaves a cash box on the porch and people go and take what they want and leave money in her till. And she doesn't monitor any of it and she's never had any theft. And to me, that's like the very best of New Brunswick. Like that is what is so great about living in our communities. Like we are so tightly community-minded, we take care of each other, we want to support our neighbors, that someone is willing to literally put their entire
0: livelihood out on the
1: front porch and they are successful in doing that.
0: I love that. Trust is such an huge factor in a successful business and is worth its very own podcast, just how trust plays such an extensive role in success of businesses. But I'll park that for now because I think that one of the most amazing things about what you're doing is, first of all, you're approaching this whole thing with an abundance mindset. But second of all, back to the pandemic proofing of this whole situation, there's definitely a push toward Purchasing products that aren't only local products, but that come with a story that are attached to a maker and a person. And I think, as like feeling beings as we are, we're really drawn toward that now. And in the light of the pandemic, I think all of us kind of want to turn away from making Jeff Bezos richer, right? And we want to keep the money inside of our own communities because we're in an economic downturn. So there's all kinds of reasons why this is just even more important today than it was before the pandemic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's why we took that step initially to remove that shipping barrier because I just wanted to keep the doors open. I just wanted to be able to keep supporting our small business partners I didn't know at the time sort of that it was gonna do what it did although in hindsight how could I not have seen that of course people were gonna turn to online and of course taking shipping off would incentivize buyers like duh but (laughs) at the time I just it was sort of a knee-jerk almost panic reaction to like well how can I still you know support these people who for them, many of the people I buy from, that's their whole livelihood. For us, it's always been different. Like I told you, I started with a very small cash infusion from our personal account, but we've never had to live off of what we made from this business, which is another reason I think why we've been able to grow because I've never had to take a huge salary out of it. I've been able to reinvest. And that is a real privilege that not everybody can do. But I wanted to make sure when the pandemic started that I could still make purchases, make orders from some of these businesses who do rely on their wholesale accounts for, you know, feeding their families. In the end, that is like my main goal with this whole box was to promote what we have available locally, but also to support what we have available locally and to make sure that they can thrive.
0: Amazing. And I think for some listeners, maybe what they don't realize is that often in the retail business, you take product on terms, which means you take the product and a month later you pay for it. So you've had, or sometimes two or three months later, so you've had some opportunity to bring in the revenue before you pay for it. But in your case, you're paying for it right up front. And that is truly a gift to a vendor. I know from having worked in the industry a little bit myself that that really is invaluable to vendors. But let's just talk a little bit about the fact that you really are giving vendors this incredible opportunity now because of the exposure that they're getting just by virtue of being associated with the NB box. Can you talk a little bit to that? That's actually also something that took
1: me by surprise because I always thought of myself as just this really small business but of course we've grown in the last two years and now you know our reach is anywhere Canada Post will ship. (laughs) So like last month we brought in this fudge from Appahawk just near Sussex, New Brunswick and it's been so wildly popular. I sent a box, a birthday present to Newfoundland, and it had two pieces of fudge in it. And then that person who got the birthday gift, loved the fudge so much, they called the shop in Appahawk and ordered $100 worth of fudge to be shipped to Newfoundland. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's so great. I absolutely love being able to share these awesome products with all kinds of new people. Anytime we get tagged on Instagram or Facebook from, you know, grateful recipients, I just think that's so wonderful. And it's also an opportunity for all of these businesses to reach a brand new customer, especially any that are out of province or out of their immediate local community. Like lots of businesses that operate locally, you would have heard about if they're in your own, town if they're in your own city but how can they reach customers that are you know in northern New Brunswick or eastern New Brunswick whatever the case may be I feel like now we're maybe able to bridge that gap because even if you are wholesaling your products to the retailers in your area you're still only reaching
0: a fraction of potential customers that are in New Brunswick. Absolutely. And I just think that this is such a beautiful example of how approaching your business with an abundance mindset can really help you to grow. And I know for a lot of people, it's just not that obvious that really, you know, being generous and not thinking about scarcity and not, you know, trying to keep all of your cards close to your chest, it really doesn't help business. And in this case, you've been able to grow this beautiful community of vendors and customers. In a way, I think you're helping to make our province just so much cooler. And I definitely want to be part of that. So thank you for bringing that to New Brunswick. Absolutely. Oh, thank you, Kelly. That's such a nice compliment. (laughs) So I want to talk, change gears a little bit because I know that with growth, especially the rapid kind of growth that you've experienced, it comes with its challenges. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced while you were growing and how you overcame those challenges. Oh my
1: gosh, we've had nothing but challenges. It seems. <laughs> um, it feels that way sometimes, like. If we're talking pandemic, like, first of all, childcare. Hello. Oh, my gosh. We have three kids. I mentioned earlier, you know, my husband luckily was home from work because of the pandemic. Also, he has done all of the mothering and fathering <laughs> um, for months now. I've been working in the basement by myself. I didn't cook a meal. I didn't clean the house. Like, honestly, we our household descended into absolute chaos, as I'm sure so many other families did as well when you're trying to work at home and have kids. And then also one of our kids is school age. So we're trying to like do the homeschool thing too. Like, forget it. (laughs) This is a disaster.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah.
1: On top of that, you know, the pandemic's actually been the busiest we've ever been. So trying to juggle all of that in our personal lives and also maintain the business was a real, real problem. My number one difficulty is supply, has always been and continues to be supply. Because when you're dealing with small businesses, you know, like we were a one person business for a long time. And so many of the people we buy from are as well. So they're also home now with their kids. And then they also may be dealing in wake of coronavirus with not being able to get stuff that they need to make the things that they make. So packaging or ingredients or stuff that has to be imported from the States or elsewhere. So maintaining a steady supply of products and also dealing with a large influx of orders was a very, very challenging time. I think you're right. Like people see growth and they, they assume everything is amazing And growth is amazing and exciting. And we are so grateful for that. But it was really difficult and really challenging too, but in a good way. Like I loved doing it. I loved being at work, but I missed my kids
0: (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So supply, supply has been our biggest problem. But everybody is working so hard to keep producing and to keep supplying. And uh, we have been able to source a lot of new products. That's also the best thing about growing is that uh, we're able to stock the shelves with new things. That's that's what's. So exciting about it too.
0: Yes. And the other exciting thing is that in this situation, not only are you thriving and growing through COVID, but so are all of your vendors and they're all New Brunswick makers. And I just... Think about how grateful they probably are that they're so busy because of what you've created. And like, that to me just makes me so giddy. And like, I'm grinning ear to ear right now. I know nobody can see me, but I just think about what a beautiful story that is. And I want to get on the hilltops and shout it. But instead, I'll put it in this podcast and hopefully that's equally as good. (laughs) So when you're growing 10X, your communications are also growing 10X. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you handled all of those things still with just you and Rob as, um, can I call him your assistant?
1: (laughs) Uh, He's more like, he can be my coworker. (laughs) (laughs) He can get promoted to coworker. He's so involved that calling him my assistant would be really not true to what you know, the role that he plays. but
0: oh, Sorry, Rob, that's my bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. I I would never tell him that to his face because it's totally my business. But <laughs> So like I mentioned earlier, customer service is always forefront on my mind. It's my top priority. My number one thing I lose sleep over. So if you email me or DM me, I might not get back to you right away because of course I get a lot of emails and a lot of DMs. And with every social media platform, there's a new inbox to manage. So- Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, I respond to everything, but maybe not immediately. <laughs> and I'm actually really bad for getting distracted, really bad for getting distracted. So if I see something come in and email or a message, it often shoots right to the top of my to-do list because I just hate knowing that there's uh, some unanswered question lingering out in the ether or whatever I like to get back to people right away I like to take care of things right away but I am just
0: one person so absolutely and I think you people probably really appreciate the fact that when they reach out with a question you're getting the lady behind everything answering and responding to your questions so I think that's pretty amazing as well
1: yeah I did actually get an email yesterday and I responded to it As soon as I could. And it was like 1030 p.m. (laughs) And then I got a response this morning and she was like, I understand and appreciate how late you are working. I'm like, that's like peak work hours for me because that's when the kids are asleep.
0: Yes, I think that we're all feeling a little bit of that in light of COVID. I know I've spoken to a lot of parents who are either getting up at four in the morning to get in some of that, you know, tiger time before the kids wake up and equally staying up until like midnight and one in the morning. So totally, I think that there's people listening to this that feel that if you're going to make it in, like if you're going to survive during COVID, you kind of need to carve out new work hours.
1: Yeah, totally. I spent many, many late nights and early mornings working this past two months. But I've always been the type of person who was going to get it done no matter what it took, because I hoped and prayed that it was always going to be
0: sort of temporary anyway. Amazing. Well, I actually just had this thought. I wonder how coffee sales are doing since COVID started, because I feel like they're probably way up.
1: (laughs) Well, I know for a fact that I'm ordering about four times as much coffee as I was a month ago. Oh, yeah.
0: You'd be the person to ask. That's amazing. Makes sense. Oh, my gosh. 4x on coffee. Okay. So, I want to know now if there's anything that you would have done differently. It sounds like you've made a lot of correct steps. And I think that it's incredible. It's showing in your success how many correct steps you've made, but I want to know if there's any that you would have done differently that were maybe potentially missteps along the way.
1: There's lots of small systems and processes type things that I wish I had done better earlier on. Like I didn't invest in a shipping label printer until January, which means every box that I mailed this past Christmas, which was crazy, I hand addressed (laughs) even hearing myself say that is insane, like insane. (laughs) Anyway, so things like that comes with time and experience, but um, you can save yourself a lot of hassle and headache if you reach out to someone who is doing something similar to what you're doing and ask them what their best time savers are. Another thing I wish I had done sooner was I handwrite all the messages in all of our greeting cards. so if you write a note to a loved one like happy birthday blah 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 blah, I handwrite that on a card people write novels sometimes to each other mm-hmm. yeah and it's to the point now where I am losing hours out of my day handwriting these notes so we did finally invest in like a printer that would automatically print the messages on the greeting cards so I wish I had figured that out sooner also. But uh, the handwritten notes are such a nice touch and so many people really, really value and appreciate them. So that was a really hard one to transition. But for now, it's just
0: not, it's not something I could lose
1: so much of my day to. Totally.
0: And probably some carpal tunnel symptoms or something along the way as well. Definitely. Okay. So Ingrid, I have to know what advice you have for someone who may be thinking about starting a small business, starting an online pandemic-proof business. What should they do when they're finished listening to this podcast? What is the one thing that they should go away and do? Gosh, there's
1: so many things. I think... When you're starting a business or when you're running a business, the number one thing that will hold you back is focusing on things not being perfect. I really feel that's a limitation. So getting things done is priority number one. If you are so worried about it's not exactly the way you want it, you want to tweak it, blah, blah, blah. You're really limiting yourself and your potential growth because you learn to improve things when they go wrong. That's how you make things better. That's how you make improvements, especially with tech, with online e-commerce. You will find that the way you thought you wanted it set up isn't what's best for the customer or isn't what's best for you. And you can make those changes as you go. So focusing too much on things being perfect or being ready is going to hold you back. I always think that you have to do things before you're ready. You have to be willing to figure them out as you go. The other thing with e-commerce is uh, you have to be willing to try things. You have to be willing to give coding a go. <laughs> like You have to be willing to trust other people to help you with your website if you don't have the skill set yourself. You have to know how to Google. I have spent a lot of time learning things From Google, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I don't actually have like a tech background either. We are an online shop and I have no previous e-commerce knowledge or education. So literally anyone can do anything, but you have to be willing to give it a try.
0: Mm-hmm. And always remember that everything is figure outable, to quote one of my favorites, Marie Forleo, because I think some people think that it's just such a mountain to climb, but you really, you got to start somewhere near the bottom because that's where everybody starts. And much of the most valuable learning will come from just doing it and doing it incorrectly. And chances are nobody else is going to realize that you did something incorrectly, but you'll realize it and you'll fix it and you'll course correct. And that's where some of the best learning happens. And I think that's why we really just need to embrace what's otherwise known as failure as a positive thing.
1: From a customer perspective, we talked about that a lot earlier, like, If you do mess up or you've created something that is, you know, not ideal for your customers, you've created situations and opportunities for you to have great conversations with your customers and maybe create great relationships with them.
0: Yes, like a deeper relationship, because now you have a shared experience together. Whereas when things go really smoothly, it could potentially be easier to forget about that smooth transaction. So I love that you flipped that on its head and said that when issues arise, they are actually these beautiful opportunities in disguise. And I think if people listening to this don't take away any other thing, I think that's the most important lesson to take away from this podcast. Ingrid, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and sharing all of your expertise. It just speaks to how generous you are and the abundance mindset that you operate with. And I think you're a perfect example of how this shows up in such a positive way in business and has helped you to find the success that you are currently experiencing.
1: Yeah, we are so lucky. We are successful because the people we work with are successful and help us do better, do more. We love that. There's no downside to you know, collaborating and working with other
0: great people in your area. Absolutely. And I'm fully confident that this is just the beginning for you. You're only two years in. You're going to just continue to grow and thrive well beyond COVID. And I am just so excited that I got to tell your story today and that I got to watch you do this right from the beginning. And I'm just so excited to see where you're going to go from here. Thank you again so much for coming on. Thanks, Kelly. I hope you are feeling inspired by Ingrid's success and that you've learned from her advice. I can't agree with her more that there is so much value in finding the courage to just start, no matter how unprepared you may feel. Because truth bomb, you will always feel unprepared on some level, especially when you are just starting out. And once you get started, the sooner you can get your finger on the pulse of what your current and future customers want and need, well, my friend, you will quickly become our next big success story. Thank you again for hitting play on yet another episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast. I hope you learned a whole lot, and let's keep dreaming big, okay?